0: You know what would be beneficial? The Holy Spirit. We need some we need some Holy Spirit in our lives. So we're we're on this series Phanerosis, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And there must be something about it that was necessary, important, could be good for us that God said, I think I'll you know send you send these people the Holy Spirit. So beneficial. We're going to see some Historic aspect to this, there is a a um, ah, what would you call this con- condition? We we take what was written in the scriptures, which at the earliest is two thousand years ago, and and we have all kinds of information and and manuscripts from that time. So we know that that's the time frame of the newest. So the New Testament part. And then we go back to, to pick up the Hebrew scriptures as well. But often within the church structure that we have, we're part of in, this, in the Christian culture, it, most of what we run into is an argument or a belief system based on this group, I growed up like this. I ain't changing my mind. This is how I growed up. And the other group's going, I growed up like that. And so you got the this and the that's, and they're all whacking into each other. And they're all arguing about what they growed up with within the last hundred years. Now, let me ask you, how long ago was this written? What was the context when it was written? Because all of this stuff in between has all been made up by somebody's experience. Some of it's really accurate. Some of it is really wacko. And if we don't know the difference, we could be in big trouble. And we've got 2,000 years of people messing with stuff. I don't know if that bothers you, but it bothers me that that that's gone on for 2,000 years and that we need to peel back these layers and get to what was he talking about and so what are the benefits of what God did and what he wants us to experience now that that he's revealed in Scripture, that he's man, he's he's manifested this through the Holy Spirit, and and then put these things down. So the thirty nine books that we have in in the Hebrew Scriptures that that uh, inform us a lot about what God did, what His purposes were, how He was working specifically with Israel, but that was to impact the entire world. And then Jesus comes and says, "Yep, this is it. Boom! It's for you." Take it to the world. And a big part of that is there's the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to send them. The first chapter of Acts tells us Jesus leaves. He said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He's going to come, and he's going to give you power. So power to do what? I don't know. Power to whittle. Power to make my bed. Power to wash the dishes. Power to do what? What is the benefit of the Holy Spirit? Why did Jesus think it was important for Him to come? Now, He played a huge part. He's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It's the Spirit of God that's hovering over chaos as the world is being formed, and then it's the Holy Spirit who's bringing things out. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all played a part in creation, but we're we are introduced to the spirit of god in chapter 1 verse 2 so this is this goes back a bit we should know something about him and if if jesus said i'm going to i'm going to ask the father he's going to send the spirit to you when i leave and something there had to be benefit there just had to be something to this not just some uh, flippant surface, maybe there's something, maybe I feel something. There's got to be a benefit to this. So the Holy Spirit shows up, chapter 2 of the book of Acts. We're going to take just a second. So the Holy Spirit empowers. This is when he shows up. 120 people have gathered in the upper room, probably the upper room where Jesus had the Last Supper. And this group's up there praying and they're waiting. And they've waited. Jesus left. Jesus was on the earth for 40 days after he, he rose from the dead. So we've got the resurrection. This is 50 days. And we're down the road. And so it's called Pentecost because of the 50. And so this is Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. All the believers. So we got 120. That 120 represents the entire church in the world. This is it. This is the organization Jesus left on the planet. There's 120. It's just good to know some some of how this got started. Suddenly, verse 2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. So the roaring comes and then it's right there with them and verse 3 then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability so that's a weird experience they're in a room they're praying Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to come the Holy Spirit shows up like a wind. So Jesus described him as a wind in John chapter 3. It says the wind comes and goes where it wants. So the Holy Spirit comes and goes where he wants. And he has shown up in this room with this roaring sound. And they are experiencing something. And they see flames on each other's heads as the, the fire is, is uh Igniting that, that the Holy Spirit is there he's he's manifesting himself in a way that they can see it They hear it. They're feeling this now. They're filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gives them an ability And that ability is to speak these languages and they are Like wow, so they're excited. They're joyous. They are moved by what God has just done and they are empowered the holy spirit gave them this ability they go out into the streets of jerusalem and there's there's the celebration going on so there's up to maybe a million people gathered that have come from all over the all over the world have gathered here uh, the the jewish people have come back those the proselytes the the uh, greek people who have come uh, who've decided to follow yahweh have all gathered to worship And they come to the temple, and they're they're filling the streets. And they come running out speaking languages of all of these people from all the countries they've come from or all the dialects that they speak. And the people are hearing that in their own language. And what they're talking about is the great deals they can get on Black Friday at Walmart. No. Well, it's about getting along with your niece. No. No about how you start your car on a cold morning no they're talking about what the lord jesus has done the good news that god loved people and that he has sent his son that he's died and the people who are there gathered in the streets are now hearing it but there are other people who were there and saw jesus knew he was hung put on the cross and he rose from the dead and they're right there you can go ask them go ask the priest those are the guys that put him to death Go just. This is recent history, and we're just in the streets telling you he's the one, the Messiah we have been waiting for, the one we've heard about in our synagogues and the reading of Scripture all this time. He's here, he has come, and now the Holy Spirit's here, and he's giving us ability to communicate this thing that God has done and to let you know you are welcome to come with him. 3,000 said yes, and they joined the church And they get baptized because they have all these cleansing areas scattered around Jerusalem. They just baptize them right there. So now we have 3,120 people making up the church. And we start worldwide. But these are from different nations. These are people from all over the world. And they have come out and they've spoken in a language that fit that occasion. Because the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. What we're doing in this Series is focusing on the manifestation of the Spirit and, and gifts. He manifests in many ways, but this is particularly in gifts. So later in chapter 2, Peter stands up because people are going, what is happening? These people must be drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Peter says they can't be drunk. They, you know, they, It's 9 in the morning. And you just think about it. Usually drunk people don't speak... A variety of languages they, they mumble but they don't speak so this would be intelligence this this would be an ability that goes far beyond human uh, human capacity because they didn't have to take time to learn it and they're able to speak it so clearly these people identify with it and go, wow they didn't even go oh you have a Galilean accent nope they spoke it in their language with their accent. That's what they heard. So in 2.18, Acts chapter 2, verse 18, spirit-empowered ability. In those days, God says, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants. This is part of Peter's speech to them to explain what just happened. I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. They will proclaim the truth. They will uh, tell what God, the information that God has for them, explain some mysteries. Uh, it's not prophecies, not always about the future. It's, it, it can explain the things around us or how God, the spiritual world, how that all works. So I'm going to pour out my spirit. Look at that, men and women alike. Remember, that's a big deal. Back in those days, the women weren't allowed to be part of many things, and God's ah, it's <laughs> everybody. Men and women alike, and they will prophesy. They will proclaim these things. What have they just done in the streets? Proclaim these things. They've proclaimed the good news. They've talked about Jesus. They talked about what occurred. And now Peter's explaining. This is in this. This is from Joel chapter two. This is Old Testament prophet, and he's saying this is what you are seeing unfold right here, right in front of you. And he's he's got the ability to get up and and speak, And Jerusalem not not too far back, a few weeks before this, remember uh, one of the slave girls is around a fire and goes, aren't you one of those guys following Jesus? He goes, nope. And he takes off. Now he's standing up in the middle of them, knowing you can get killed for this. And he says, no, this is Jesus. This is what Jesus has done. Where do you get that power? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit filled him. Now he has the ability to even reference the Old Testament scripture and he's bringing all of the truth of it together. Now Jesus has been teaching him, but even when Jesus said, left, he said, "You guys aren't getting this very well. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will help you to remember what I taught you, and he will teach you even more." There's so much more. So Peter's demonstrating that in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes, gets them all 120, now 3,120 of them, and Peter stands up and explains to this massive crowd this is what Jesus has done. Risking his own life to do this. And the Holy Spirit has come. So the Holy Spirit is is obviously not innocuous, not just in the background, not just a, a floater, not just So you're gonna have to wrap your head around this because there's some stuff here that's that's probably gonna be challenging. A spiritual gift. You have a spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. So the Holy Spirit comes at the time that we uh, come to know Jesus, when we say, yes, I'm going to go with Jesus, not everything else in this world, Him. Then the Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit comes and fills us. And there's a spiritual gift that He's going to give us. So that's going to come too. That's going to be part of it. But this comes within a context when he's talking here in 1 Corinthians 12. The context will help because it peels away some of the other stuff. If you're talking about spiritual gifts and you come from a Pentecostal charismatic background, you're going, yeah, talk it, preach it, brother, preach about spiritual gifts and spirit stuff. And let's get excited. Amen. Let's roll in the floors. And so they're all excited. And then you you get Hold of a Lutheran or you know, Baptist, are going <laughs> you to you need to take that down a notch. Don't be don't be jumping in, don't be jumping in the floor. Don't be. Uh, in fact, for many, not not just those guys, but there's a there's a division, and one group says that everything, these gifts, all these spiritual gifts, well, majority of the fancy ones have have ended. So that all ended, they ceased. And the fancy term they use for that is cessationist. That was hard. There's another group that says no, they keep they kept going. They continued. And they're called continuationist. Isn't that hard? They're pretty creative on these names. So those two groups, the two ends of the, you know, yes, they kept going, and other groups said no, they didn't. Some said some do. Uh, The ones we like, they continued. The ones we don't like, they didn't continue. And anybody in that church, they're goofballs. And and we got it. And the other group's going, man, God's got so much more for you. You're missing it. You're goofballs. Uh, So let's just go back. Before all of those guys. And yes, the Spirit, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Holy Spirit is still at work. God gave the Holy Spirit to accomplish something, and he never said, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to pull him back. Never did that. When Jesus comes back, when this is all complete, that's when he's done. Well, he's not going to die. He's just going to take off in ways we'll get to see later. But for now, this is what happened. So spiritual gifts in Corinthian... Context. So we have to go to Corinth, mid-first century modern. This is going to be Corinth. So we're talking about a a Greek city, historically Greek. And if you start thinking about the Pantheon of gods, the Trojan Wars, uh, Athens, Plato, uh, you just start putting all of the pieces of all the all the plays you've you've. Greek plays and, and the uh, idea of democracy, politics. We're living out, if you took Western civilization, you know that that's, this is how it unfolds. We're, we're living out much of what happened in Greek and Roman days, what, what they believed, how they saw it, and we built on top of that. So this is it. This is back then. This is, it's actually a Roman city by this time because the Roman Empire had engulfed them, but they're still so Greek-ish because that's what they speak, that's what they, they, they brought in. So historically Greek, with all of those things going on. Economically wealthy, because of its location, it, it picked up all the commerce and the sailing that's going uh, east and west, and it crossed right there near them. So they built up this city that was luxurious, wealthy, top-notch, uh, emperors, kings, queens, those are the people who came here because this is it. This is where you go shopping. You go to the Agora, the shopping, the marketplace. That's where things you buy the expensive stuff. Gucci's down there. Everybody's, this is the place that you go to. At the end of the Agora is the Temple of Apollo. So we've got this, the, it's religiously prolific so we're picking up the the gods so right down there is is this uh, majestic temple Aphrodite's temple is on the top of the acrocorinth which is a hill that's behind the city and on top of that here's here's her her spot that is so it's it's so well known in the world of that day it's so prestigious and they're worshipping Aphrodite and and the whole idea of fertility is part of that, but it's really just a a big giant brothel. They have a thousand temple prostitutes operating up there. It's it's documented in in the historian's notes from everybody who ever had any contact with Corinth. It is huge. It is it is uh, New York City, L. A., Vegas on steroids in the First century, just, just push it all into this place. And this is, this is where things are happening. And it has that kind of influence on the rest of the world. So Paul has come in there, and he, he comes from Athens to Corinth. Athens was a, an intellectual center and, and a place where a lot of debate and new ideas were coming from. But it wasn't the commercial giant. It wasn't the the influencer that Corinth was. So he comes to Corinth, and he tells them about Jesus. He goes to the middle of the city. He he sets up shop, does does some work, meets some other Jewish people, goes to the synagogue, talks to them about Jesus. And as typical, he gets kicked out because they don't want to hear it. And the church begins and there there are stones uh and things that are still there that are carved that have the names of these people where the synagogue was all it, even in the ruins some of these things are still still exist. It had so many temples they're they're all over and around this around the town they had the uh, uh, not the Olympic Games, those are more towards Athens this This is the Isthmian games that were similar, and these were played every two years so they were they had a theater big thousand people could sit in, and then they had the athletic fields where they would have these events so sports, theater all of those things are happening right here in corinth here 's the cosmic cosmic context of Corinth the impact of the gods of Greece remember from Daniel chapter 10 uh, the angel from heaven comes to speak to Daniel about the things that are unfolding and will unfold in the world ahead and he talks about he couldn't answer the prayer that Daniel had prayed because they ran into the spirit prince of Persia and there was a battle and he wouldn't Let him through and so he got michael came and and started fighting the spirit prince of persia and so we're talking those gods that we talked about earlier that were responsible for nations so persia has one and he tells us here that greece has one he says do you know why i've come soon i must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of persia and after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Go, Whoa, Greece has one. All of that history, all of those other gods, the pantheon of the Greek gods, all of those things are interplayed. They're, they're influenced by these gods, the, these B'nai Elohim, the, the sons of God that were given responsibility to take care of the nations, but then they twisted that and came after the people and said, worship us. And so things went sideways. And they've gathered to them other minor gods, minor, uh, well, demon- some of them are the demon, demon spirits. So we've got those involved in this. Doesn't mean that every, every temple has a live one in place because sometimes it's an empty idol, because these, these uh, beings can only be in one place at one time. They're not God who can be everywhere at once. They're limited. They're created beings. But that doesn't mean they don't show up or they don't have a demonic minion or they don't leave their influence in their teachings and people run with it. All those things are part of it. So in the mentality of the people of Corinth, the people of Greece, the people of first century, these things are real, and they're all around them, and they are, they are real. They're just, they're part of the fabric of everything they think about. So they're not, they're not uh, dismissing things as easily as people in, in uh, 21st century Western thought do with anything spiritual. It just doesn't exist. It's just made up. It's, uh, legends and mythology which have no basis whatsoever. Which is weird because we go, well, you know, Troy didn't exist. This is in the 1800s. We're not sure the Trojan War was real. Some guy starts reading through the notes and goes, you know what, I'm just going to go check this out. So archaeology begins as this guy goes out and finds Troy. And you go, oh. And they look around and go, look at all the arrowheads. Looks like there was a war. Oh, look, the Mycenaeans were part of this. Looks like Macedonians came in here too. Oh, there must have been huh, that's not biblical history. It's just, we just thought, no, there's nothing to it. Turns out, uh, they probably inflated some things, exaggerated here and there, not like you guys do when you tell stories. (laughs) Just shows up in ways that people dismiss it offhand without looking and going, what, this guy just read it and then went over there and found it. You go, there's more to all of this. This is one of those situations. There's a spirit prince who's behind this in opposition to the living God, trying to lead people in another direction. We have temples to other gods all over Corinth, influencing the people and the way that they live, the way that they think. The reason this is important is the division of Christians over things that they've made up in the last... 2,000 years, is not based on thinking like this. It's based on, this is the way we thought in Germany in 1500. This is the way we think in Philadelphia in 1800. And we're going to argue about it and what the Bible says. Because the Bible says whatever it says to me, and that's what matters. Bull, it says what God wants it to say, and that's what matters. So if we go back and find out, so what was he dealing with? What was he talking about? How were the people thinking? What was he addressing? What did the Holy Spirit do? What was the benefit of the Holy Spirit showing up at the time he did, doing what he did there? So we've got these powers that are at work. So we've got gods and religious practices. Apollo. Apollo is worshipped. His temple's there at the end of the Agora. And, he, and he is, he's a big player in this whole thing. Uh, this is a a god that they they worship who has the ability to provide wisdom or direction, so people would go to the like the Oracle Delphi or the um, which is uh, another uh, temple of Apollo. So the idea of going to Apollo is I need information. Should I start this business and invest my three hundred fifty thousand? and and should I go this direction? So they write out their question, they present it to the priest, the priest takes it back to the Oracle in the temple, and and the Oracle's gonna talk to Apollo and get the info. So and typically the Oracle is sitting in a room with some things with some they light some things, so there's some it could be like incense, but often it's another the at Delphi they they set over Sort of a gaseous they they put them in kind of a uh, a swing that set on and the, and this gas was coming in, so it was it was um they're high they're just <laughs> they're just high and and some of them are are also partaking of other elements that they they had around so that they could come and be in contact with the gods they didn 't have l s d but they got close. You eat a couple of mushrooms, you know, but there, go take this to the oracle, find out what Apollo says, I get that, and and it's all, it's all over the place, the oracle, so now the priest has to interpret this, this other language that they don't know, so then here's the interpretation, they bring it back, hand it to this person, they give them, you know, cash, and, and, and that's the system, so you get wisdom, you get and, and some healing. There was some healing involved with uh, Apollo as well. So you, you've got that. Uh, you remember the elements of what I've just told you about Apollo, uh, because that'll that'll play into this. Aphrodite is is providing a whole different element of worship and experience, and and it's uh, sexual. It is built on a whole materialistic uh, pleasure mode. But it is, and many of these the practices in worship are, are frantic and, and uh, often out of control. And uh, so, you, you know, a thousand prostitutes up there, that's a, lot, that's a lot of sailors coming through that town. <laughs> Asclepius, also there, just, just on the edge. Another temple, Asclepius, if you've gone to a doctor and they have a pole and there's a snake on it, that's Asclepius. So that's, that's his symbol. He is the god of medicine. He has a daughter named Hygieia, which I think is hilarious because hygiene doctor. Anyway, so Asclepius is the guy that you go to to get medical help, god, the god who's going to provide that. You go and, you, and because they want healing, and they'll they make little models. The, there's prayers involved and there's some more, here's a mushroom for you. There's a, uh, they make models of your heart, liver, your leg, what, whatever it is. So it's got kind of a token aspect to it. So if you've seen some voodoo things where they they sort of do that or, you know, here's the little model and stick pins in. Well, this is the opposite of sticking the pins in. This is for healing. So they're taking little models of you and your parts whatever that part may be cuz they found all the parts and you go whoa that you know that's, somebody's hurting but they're they're trying to find a way everybody wants to be healed so that's, this is a good money maker cuz you know the american medical industrial complex makes some serious cash asclepius did good so asclepius is making some money and there's dionysus and Dionysus is a, um, the Greek name, Bacchus is the Roman name, same god, so these, these he's the god of wine, the god of theater, the god of fun, I'm throwing that one in for free. So he he is the guy, in fact, the, the theater is the Dionysus theater, so these plays are to draw you in, some of them are mysteries, some of them uh, may be sexual in content, but they're they're there are ways to to entertain, to get people's minds off, and help them think about the gods and the worship. And the the worship that's going to happen in his place is you drink a lot, because he's the god of wine in the vineyards, and uh, you drink a lot, and whatever comes from that, uh, whatever happens in the temple of Dionysus stays in the temple of Dionysus. So you you have a lot of things that are unfolding in there, but it's wild, it is... Uh, whatever they 're muttering and th- the uh, the outburst of of uh, activity that's that 's happening here, but it's it 's almost otherworldly in terms of just the idea of, of uh, sort of being emotional and out of your mind in, in the the uh, in the extreme so the, those uh, well there there are um, dozens of others so th- that's just um, sampling to give you an idea so these guys when they think worship when they've come to Jesus you're going to narrow everything they know about the world how it was created how all of this who they are as human beings is now going to be changed nobody wants to hear that stuff right? or when it happens it's very few I do not, people need to wear shirts that say, don't tell me, because they don't want to know that there's something else available, that something else is going on. This is what I believe. This is what I knew. This is what, that's what, that's the way i would raised. Fine. Could be totally wrong. Guess what? They just found out it is totally wrong. All their worship, all their worship behaviors, all of what was moral or immoral. Christians, Far removed from Corinth, call it immoral. It's nothing but debauchery. From whose perspective? You got to think about this. From whose perspective? If you grew up in that world, that was absolutely moral. In fact, not to participate was immoral. Christians were called pagans by the Romans. Because they didn't worship the Roman gods. Huh. Because the mentality is so different. The perspective is so different. That was absolute, absolutely moral and right. And now we've got some kind of Christian dude in here, this little short bald Paul fella, telling us it's all wrong. Absolutely wrong. So what might help? In the midst of all of that. How about the Holy Spirit? Contrast in the church at Corinth. So in the chapter that we're dealing with, primarily here, 1 Corinthians 12, he makes the statement right at the top. Verse 2. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along and worshipping speechless idols. See, that's the context. They were worshipping a whole different slate of gods, and the, that entered into their culture and their understanding of humanity, who they were, what was moral, immoral, what's, what's correct, what's just, what's good, all of it. And he says, you know, when you were still pagans and you were led astray with all of that. Now, they, the, he's writing to people who have come to Christ, so they've, they've made that step. But they're struggling because they're trying to come out of it. They're trying to break away from the world that they knew. Everything they thought they knew has just been turned on its head. And God says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and I'm going to send gifts and these guys are now going to deal with gifts. Typically, I'll take you back to this a moment. When people write about or deal with spiritual gifts, they're dealing with them from the context of, I'm comfortable, comfortable with this. I'm not comfortable with that. How it applies to me today in the 20, 20th for some of us, 21st century for some of us. <laughs> so whenever it happened, we're going, yeah, how does that play for me? And I know a guy who believed this about the spiritual gifts, and that just guy's an idiot. Or maybe that's interesting, and I need to pursue it. And you go, it's all about the 20th, maybe 19th if we really read some. And we don't go back to when this happened. And Paul is saying, in the context, this is in the chapter, when you guys are pagan, and you were led astray by all this other stuff than this so let's see what that means they were taken apart or taken away by other things what gifts might the Holy Spirit have for them given where they live the situation they were in the worldview, the perspective the things that people needed what might be helpful to them and how did the Holy Spirit do this because he's gonna have to come in strong because when, when those other, and he's talking about speechless idols, that's when he's talking about them being just the idol in a temple. Because if the God isn't there or the demon isn't there at the time, it's, it, it, it can't do anything. Now, when they do show up, just know this, when they do show up, they can mess with the weather. They can mess, they can mess with plague. They can bring plagues. They can bring healing because they cause the illness, and then they remove it. There's a magical trick. Yeah, they show up. Now, there are times when it's just an empty something somebody carved because people made it up. Yep, that's part of it too. But how do you deal with that? And what, is, what are the things that they're looking for that they, that they go to these gods for? Let's look at the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's wisdom and knowledge. So wisdom and knowledge, where would they go if they're in the Agora shopping for a new sweater, and they go, you know, I just don't know what, should I take this trip, should I buy that business, should I sell my land, who do I go talk to? Oh, there's the Temple of Apollo. Now what does he provide? Wisdom, knowledge. I go talk to the oracle, or I talk to the priest who's going to talk to the oracle. Wow. What has the Holy Spirit just provided? Wisdom. Knowledge. Where do you not have to go now? To the temple of Apollo. Why? Because we got people who have a gift, who hear from the Holy Spirit. They don't have to wait for Apollo, the god Apollo, to show up. They have him, and he's better. <laughs> Besides, he's the real God who really knows wisdom and knowledge, and there are people who are going to have the ability to have that information to share with another person. This is where in the, holy, this whole, the purpose of the, of the gifts is so that we can build up the church and help one another. Not everybody gets all of them, so different people are going to have them, and we have to go to each other. Which is what they were doing. They're going to these gods and they're seeking these answers or seeking something from them. And they're they're willing to do that and pay good money for it. And in in the church, typically, we go, they don't know nothing more than I do. And I got my shirt on that says, don't tell me. So that person that God has gifted with wisdom and knowledge, or one or the other, is now left out. We're going to go into details about these later. It's just somebody's going to want to go to lunch eventually, so i got to kind of move this on. But we don't have to go to the God Apollo. We can go to Joe Bob, and he's going to have that because he's got the gift. The Holy Spirit has come into our church, and he's given him that gift. I can go talk to him about my business, God's going to give him, he's, he's got wisdom from God. From God, not his own opinion, not his own experience. He's got that too, but that's, that's living life, and that's good, and we want that. that that's another, that's the book of Proverbs. That's, a, that's another lesson. That's natural, that's sure, we need to go get that. This is the Holy Spirit. Now, and let me take you back, because you might have forgotten, when the Holy Spirit arrived, there's a wind there is flame on the top of their heads. These people spoke in languages they did not know, and they spoke them perfectly immediately. That's unique. That's powerful. That's not just well. I think I got it. They got it. What's the difference in this? This wisdom is wisdom from God. It's not well. I think I'm. You know, I kind of know. Maybe you should invest in in this. Don't invest. Don't don't buy that car. Or, no, this is from God. It is definitely different. Different than the God Apollo. Different than the ramblings of the oracle who's high on drugs. Different than what you're going to get in the world. It's a spiritual gift. Knowledge is going to be in the same way. Wisdom is, is putting some practical pieces together so that there's a... There's a uh, uh, a way to make a decision, you know, for God to leadeth. <laughs> leadeth. I just saw, thought of the song. <laughs> he leadeth me. So He's He's going to lead us <laughs> by providing the wisdom we need. But He also has knowledge. So there's knowledge that's a, available that God has that we don't know. He can look into the heart of of someone because He knows what we've been through, what we've been thinking about, what we're dealing dealing with in life, in the context, and what's coming, what's around the corner. And someone with that gift, they're tuned into the Holy Spirit, they're walking with Him, and they can share that knowledge. And they can speak to us, and they can tell us, oh, this is what you've been thinking, or this is what you've been dealing with. You, you didn't just share that with them. They just got it from God. And then they can give you some direction, provide some help. That's, that's good. Faith, the, the gift of, of trusting God, of going beyond the 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 normal processes of, well, I think he's there, but you know, I still have some doubts. I don't know if he's going to come through for me on this. No, this person is, is on fire. It's the, it's the fire that drives them forth, knowing with absolute conviction that God is able to do whatever he says he's able to do. That helps stabilize a group who's going to be threatened by the culture by the roman army by every everyone around them who's worshiping a different god and this you need some stabilizing force that really helps to you can trust him and and this guy's going to say you know be still and know he's god just stop whining oh don't be anxious about anything But instead, pray about everything. But you don't know who's running this empire. Yeah, Nero. Yeah, we're in good hands. Where are we going to get the faith? We need somebody who's going to stand firm. And that's the gift of faith. And they're able to encourage and build up, that's the whole idea, uh, other people. What about healing? Any God for that one? Sclepius, right down the street. Turn left. There you go. There's a the sclepius. And we've got God providing through the Holy Spirit healing in our church, right here. You know, just a handful of people in Corinth, uh, out of the, this big city. This handful of believers, and God has given these gifts to this group. It's pretty amazing miracles what are these gods providing what are, what are these people looking for miraculous events miraculous water coming up out of the, out of the there's there's some stories and like a pegasus thing and flying horses and it, it, there's a lot more to that but but they're looking for these kind of things where water shows up or the weather changes or the the, the fruit of the vine is is super abundant uh, or they win battles and, you know, got the whole story of Sparta and, and the invasion of the Persians and the 300. And uh, all of those are stories these guys have grown up with. And we're talking miraculous. Those are amazing historical events. But we're talking somebody in this group has a gift of miracles. Prophecy, the the ability to communicate God's truth to to. Tell what God has for uh, in in an immediate situation with an individual or family or the whole church, something that applies to them, that instructs them in in God's truth, or can say uh, there's there's a famine coming. You know, put some canned tomato soup in in the pantry because tough times are coming. So they can they can give some information that way too. A discerning of spirits. The ability to know the difference between this this spirit, because we're, we're dealing with spirits, real spirits who are alive and well. Corinth is full of them, and some of them are in opposition to God. And they are fighting to maintain control. They don't want to lose anybody to God who has now invaded their space because they've been controlling this thing. And now God has sent people in, and they're hearing the truth, and the light is coming on and people are beginning to get it and join together with the church. And to be able to say, now that spirit is in opposition to what God is doing. And if, and if that spirit gets a hold of somebody, because they're still, they, they believe in Jesus and they're part of the church. But they're hanging on to some of their old beliefs. And so they bring that spirit, piggybacks in with them. And you know, all oh, Great. And they they want to share. Well, that's what, I think the Bible says this, and it just wacko out of left field because the darkness has entered in, and the gift of discerning of spirits is very helpful in saying no, that's not what God's saying here. That that spirit, and and Paul when he's dealing with some of that, like in Philippi, the that uh, the, there was a girl who kept coming up and and saying, yeah, these are these are servants of the Most High God, and he has to cast out the that spirit, evil spirit. Well, they may come and they may say, Well, you're a follower of Jesus and and and, and I'm in and quote scripture. Well if you don't have the gift of discerning his spirits, you think, well that that person's just a believer just like us. And the Holy Spirit saying, not hardly. That's an evil one who's just entered into the space. We need that gift. We need that when that person with that gift. The gift of tongues, the ability to speak in different languages, which would be cool. That one becomes very divisive in, in, since the early 1900s in churches. But it's a gift that was so helpful because at that point they could actually uh, use the gift to either communicate or in, in ways they're praying uh, praying to God in this language so that people have, have that ability. But there are ecstatic languages And and people still have this. And in various cultures, the ecstatic languages are happening where they're worshiping other gods. And... So what do you do if you come out of a culture where you've heard that all your life and that's just been part of it? Well, God says, I can top that. Let's see, what happens when the oracle gives their rendering? It's sometimes an unknown tongue. And the priest... Writes down, pass interprets, whatever those mutterings are. Maybe, just, maybe they just make it up, but whatever they do, they write that down, they pass that on to the customer, and they get their answer when they're seeking uh, wisdom or direction from uh, Apollo. And here they get tongues, and guess what God sends along? Someone who interprets tongues. These are actual languages. When he talks about it in, in uh, chapter 13, he says the these are languages or tongues of men and of angels. So they're spiritual languages, or maybe a language, that the spiritual beings speak. So they can have that gift and speak in those languages. That would be helpful when you're dealing with a place filled with Various spirits and various gods, and we have the interpreting, and that person is right here. We don't. It's not another. It's not a priest going to the oracle, right here in our group. Administration. These these become uh, administration and helps so will last too. But the the administration one, if you take a spiritual gifts inventory. And you go through it. People try to fit the spiritual gifts and their own personal experience in the 20th, 21st century into these. Which is absolutely not correct. So they're going to fit administration into this. And if you have the gift of administration, this is what it will tell you. You're going to be good at organizing the office and filing. I see how helpful that was in the midst of Corinth and the issues they were dealing with. The word has to do with order, which makes sense, but also of leading and guiding. It's the word used for the pilot of a ship, which I'm finding very important. At the south end of the Isthmus that Corinth sits on is one of the most treacherous areas in all of the Mediterranean Sea, and shipwrecks all the time because of the way the waters come together and the ancient stories all deal with, you know, getting called upon the rocks and just trying to get through there. Ancient uh, Greek heroes would sail around it and survive. And so it's filled with tales that go with this. Where they were situated, where the ships would come in from Rome and they could offload and get this overland, it's a short little area, haul it across to a ship on the opposite side, and then transport on to Israel or Syria or some other place. But they had to, in order to cross over, that's, this is where it's happening, right by Corinth. What would they know about piloting ships? That's just normal stuff for them. That's big in their mind. That's how their economy is, is working. It's, it's because of good pilots can survive all of this. How do you get around the rocks? Who do you need in your church? Need somebody who leads? Often called pastors shepherds. Why would they do that? Because there's some kind of leadership trying to get around some of these rough spots. And because these things are coming at us, what do we need? We need somebody who can really file well. Organize the office. Hardly. I'd dismiss those inventories if I were you. Because they miss it. There is the Holy Spirit who comes. He fills the room with a wind like a tornado roaring. He puts flames of fire on the tops of people's heads. And when he gives gifts, they are amazing, they're fitting they're going to promote the things that God is trying to promote his purposes well i think i have the gift cuz i'm really good at needlework or fixing cars no those those are talents that's different maybe god given but that's not the spiritual gift helps is part of this being able to come alongside to give aid I find it interesting that helps is included here because of the I mentioned the the daughter of Asclepius, he has more than one, but Hygia being one, but the idea is there are these helpers and at Asclepius uh temple it's more like a hospital setting and there there are people there helping uh people on bunks and you know, different things. Like in a way sort of nurses, but this this is who comes alongside to minister to, administer God's grace, His truth, his, his presence to others? The person with the gift of helps. That seems helpful. Yeah, that, that, I need another word for that. Anyway, spiritual gifts are beneficial. The Holy Spirit empowers God's people for God's purposes. These gifts will be connected to God's purposes, to his accomplishing his, his ways, his methods with his people in whatever time, whatever place they happen to be. Now, these gifts may carry over and be, you know, obviously we're all going to need wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and miracles. And pro- I, I, The gifts keep going because the Holy Spirit keeps going. I don't think this is a finite list. There are four places in the Scripture that we get... Uh, The gifts are listed, uh, different ones. This one's the longest one, so we're kind of looking at it. But he empowers people, the Holy Spirit, just like when he showed up, in a way that is unique and is good for the church and is going to be so amazing when we just see that. It is for God's purposes, not to make us feel good, not to raise... uh, Our sense of of belonging or he's not he's done that in Jesus he's poured out his love the Holy Spirit remember is Romans 5 has already come into our hearts and he has burst love God's love in us so that's done we don't need something to make us feel good self-esteem and thus these gifts are not given for that purpose these gifts are given for God's purposes to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Spiritual gifts reveal God and reject false gods. And we think because we, we don't have a whole lot of that worship going on, or at least in, in town, you see churches all over, you don't see many of the temples. So we think, oh, we're safe. Well, that's not so So true, the people I've run into who are practicing uh, Wicca are a pretty good number here in Mays County. And you think, wow, we're just in a remote place. There are old gods and worshipers from Native American religions that are in the area. you go, wow, that doesn't make, that doesn't make, man, that's that's just, those are fake. Uh, Yeah. I've had so many people come in who have come out of Wicca that I've had to deal with the demons that come with them or the ones who have kind of wandered back into some of the Native American practices and the demons that piggyback with them. And I've dealt with them in this room. Some of them are suffering immensely. Some of them are delivered and find their way to Jesus in in a powerful way. And, and because they're finding freedom. But we don't have gods like that these days. Oh, yeah, we do. Got trouble in the Middle East? Huh. I wonder who's helping that. wonder why we can't solve that. They're underground. Maybe they're hiding. Maybe they're in the background. They're not gone because they don't die. They don't get dealt with till Revelation 20 when Jesus comes back. So we're dealing with these. Do we need the spiritual gifts? Just like they did. Just like they did. Spirit-given gifts inspire worship, transformation, and reformation. We come into recognizing those gifts. We recognize them in others. And we can help one another. Jesus goes, oh, man, this is amazing. Uh, By the time we get to chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14... There's a whole, and I'll get into more detail in, in some of that uh, in January, actually. But we, we have an encounter that's described uh, that Paul is, is just setting up. If somebody's speaking in tongues and you have a visitor come by or a guest hear that, and you know, they're coming off the Agora, they've been shopping, and they come by the church, and they hear this uh, speaking in tongues. And they go, I don't know what's going on. Those people are just nuts. That doesn't help them recognize who Jesus is. It's just like, yeah, we've heard that chatter. It happens over at this temple or that temple. That doesn't help. Paul says what we need is we need people to prophesy. He said, I want everybody in the church. And it's pos- this is one of those gifts that's possible for everyone. I want everyone to prophesy, which means having that knowledge, hearing from God, and and God revealing the heart of that other person, so you speak out what's necessary to point them in God's direction. So he describes that. That's first Corinthians fourteen. The response of the person to that is God is here. God is here. So how do you get that response? By practicing the Holy Spirit, uh, practicing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts are alive and well. Saying they don't exist or that's done doesn't help because He's given us a means by which, supernaturally, the Holy Spirit provides us with something to speak uh, to another human being in a way that helps them to recognize who God is, to break away from the other gods or their other belief system which is hard to do if you don't have God helping you. And so this is God doing that through spirit-giving gifts, inspires worship, people begin to worship the one true God, they're transformed, they're breaking away from their other culture, and they're reformed in this way so that they become more and more like Christ. Their character begins to take on a whole new flavor because of what God has done. And it's, the Holy Spirit's going to use gifts to accomplish that. So we'll talk more about spiritual gifts uh, next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for, for trusting us with something so valuable. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here and working with us and opening the eyes of our hearts so that we can take this in. Reveal to us, Lord, those things that we need uh, from your word, from the, the, the things that you have done in history and culture, the things that you are doing now. Help us to uh, discern those things that are not you in our lives and to seek after you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.